Hello and welcome to this All-Star Break edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. Phillies head into the break, holding on to one of the wild cards. Still a lot of injuries, lots to talk about, All-Stars, drafts, and how this team is doing in the absence of their stars. So Jeff Mosher, how you doing? I'm great, Frank. I'm great. What a great series that the Phillies just had um, going down to Miami, their house of horrors for how <laughs> God knows how long. I don't know. Everybody loves to go to Miami, but not the Phillies. But then they go down and take three from the fish. And I think as we sit here today going into the All-Star break, Frank, I mean, that the 12-game win streak right after Rob Thompson got fired, like, saved their I mean, season. Joe no Girardi doubt. got fired. Don't fire sorry, Rob Thompson. Yeah, I like him. I know. I'm firing the wrong guy after Joe Girardi got fired, was was definitely their most kind of significant stretch of the season. It saved their season. But I I, I look at this series going into the uh, All-Star break, sweeping the Marlins, which is something that it's so – just how difficult it has been for them to win in Miami at a time when they really needed it. That might have been the most vital and significant series win of the year, if you just take away the kind of flash in the pan 12 game win streak, I know you don't want to take that away. It was important, but they needed that. They absolutely did. And you know, when I was talking to Mike Gill on the air on Tuesday, right, the Phillies had already lost a couple games in a row to the Cardinals, right? So then you're kind of facing the remaining five games ahead of the break and you're thinking, okay, well, these games in Toronto are going to be kind of tough. Yep. They're without their two hottest hitters, <laughs> and they re- the lineup really needed in JT Romuto and Alec Bohm, not mm-hmm. to mention being down a starting pitcher for one of the two games. Right. So you kind of felt like, well, this first game is going to be tough. The second one, hopefully you can eke out a win with Zach Wheeler on the mound. And then you thought, oh, man, you got to at least win this Marlins series, take two out of one. But guess what? You lose the two in Toronto, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, shoot, Sandy Alcantara is on the mound. Like <laughs> everything set up that this was going to be a really, really ugly series for the Phillies. You just, it just felt bad. And guess what? They stepped up. And by the way, this pitching staff, one run allowed in all three games combined. I mean, I knew the Marlins offense struggles at times and usually their strength is their pitching, but one run the entire time in the last two games of this series, one walk allowed period by the pitching. How about that, Jeff? It's been the savior that it needed to be, Frank. I mean, with, with Reese Hoskin, I mean, with, Reese, with, uh, with Bryce Harper out. And then when they went to Toronto and they were down JT and they were down, uh, who else was down? Uh, Boehm, right? And, and, uh, they also didn't have some guys who were just not ready to come back from injuries yet, like Camargo. They were bare. And then to, to have, you know, they, they lost that series. And then you thought like, oh man, this is bad. Now they go play their, their, the team that they can just never beat in Miami. And then to win those three was huge. And to go back to your pitching point, they only scored seven runs against the Cardinals in four games. If I had told you going into that series that they were only going to score seven runs in the entire series, four game series, you would probably say that sounds like losing at least three and maybe four. And they split, they went a two nothing game and a one nothing game. Um, and both of those, not only did they get great starting pitching, but they got the bullpen effort. The bullpen has been a lot better. There have been some close calls, which was the game where Knievel had to come in and get out of his own jam. I forget. Yeah, he had well, to there close was an error the one too. of those wins, right? Yeah, yeah. He had to close one of those, and it looked like it was going to be a disaster. I think it was actually the uh, either the, the 2 nothing or the one nothing game. But either way, got out of it. And then Sir Anthony, 
to get out of that jam that he was in the other day against the Marlins. Really just, just clutch because the, the, you knew the bats were not going to be as vibrant as they had been, you know, pre Bryce Harper injury. And, and you've probably figured that Kyle Schwarber was going to slow down a little bit, which he has with the power. So the pitching needed to step up. It did. But as we head into the all-star break, I think, you know, with the news on, on Zach Eflin, the knee not being good, it really does, you know, bring to light how, how, how vital getting another starting pitcher is going to be for the Phillies. Absolutely. Now, so let's, so let's, let's kind of transition to that because as good as the series was, there's still a tough road ahead. Phillies have, have the all-star break, which is, which could be good because it can maybe let people like Zach, Zach Eflin heal a little bit. But the bad news is his knee was still sore after he threw yesterday. So yeah. his status is very much in doubt. Now it was great to see Ranger Suarez come back and throw five scoreless, Definitely. not walking anybody, right? So. That that's a bit of a relief, but it's very very clear the Phillies need a starting pitcher. Yeah, and I, and you know normally I like when a team in their situation goes out and gets a one and then moves everybody down, but we know that the Phillies are still going to probably need an outfielder, maybe still even a, a super utility guy. Uh, they need a couple of, of spots, so they they might find a better package deal, kind of like they did last year when they got. Um, you know, at the deadline, they bring in the Gibson and, uh, and Kennedy as a, as a package deal there. So I look around the, uh, the leagues and I see like, you know, Carlos Quintana doing well, Jose Quintana, I mean, doing well for the Pirates. I know you've brought up Noah Syndergaard before. Strange numbers for him this year. I mean, for a power pitcher, I know he's come back from the injury. He doesn't have a ton of strikeouts, but he's a guy who can give you innings. Um, we talked about Martin Perez. You know, I think that that's what you got to look at. You got to look at a, a three. Right, who can push your four and five down? So you can push, or, or yeah, yeah, Gibber and whoever three, four, and then Suarez five. And honestly, they they have a one and a two, right? So that that no doubt about a, it. That allows you to do a little bit more here uh, in terms of spending your assets on other needs uh, and maybe getting a pitcher that's of lesser ilk. Now you you mentioned Jose Quintana. I think the the funny thing is about some of these pitchers. I'm really interested to see what they're going to be traded for because what essentially is happening is everybody figures, okay, Jose Quintana, one year, $2 million deal, uh, hasn't been good in recent years. He's somebody we can get cheap. Well, now every team is calling about him. So, (laughs) you know, I, I, I think the Phillies either have to pay for whatever that ends up being, which I worry will be too much or actually spend some prospects that are real prospects, not painter and able, Definitely not painter and Abel, but maybe they can trade somebody still of decent, decent, uh, ilk like McGarry and try Mm -hmm. to get somebody under control. I mean, I, I, I still like the Merrill Kelly idea, uh, that's, that, that keeps coming up. Uh, the Phillies were interested in him last year, a member of the Arizona Diamondbacks. If they can somehow get him, then they're also covered in the rotation next year and beyond, Mm -hmm. uh, especially when we see Zach Eflin, they've got that $15 million option on his contract for next year but the poor guy can't stay healthy it's almost risky to spend 15 million dollars on someone you can't trust so i'd rather see them pick up somebody that could help them in the future uh certainly gibson also a free agent at the end of the year get somebody that can help now and later yeah no no i i agree with you there and there, there are probably some names that we're not mentioning 
you know, I'm just looking at bad teams. You know, I look at the Cubs. I'm wondering, can you get Kyle Hendricks out of there? I know he's, his, his, he was a little banged up, but he's generally usually a healthy guy and, um, he's not having a great year, but sometimes you kind of get sucked into the, the badness of the team around you. Um, there's got to be some other guys out there that, that would be, you know, I don't know. Do you consider, I guess the haul for Cincinnati would have to be pretty big for, um, Castillo, even though I, Castillo I can kind of be so. up and down and was, was hurt a little bit. Yeah, I think Castillo is going to cost a lot. The Reds, the Reds need to move him. Uh, but I, see, I don't know. The Reds, the Reds, the Reds are kind of the team everybody expects to be their farm system right now, you know? So I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of teams are going to be asking for, for everybody on their roster. Uh, you know, there's some other names on the roster that, that possibly could be helpful, uh, to the Phillies. One of them, of course, is hurt. Tyler Malley, uh, was a name, a right-handed yep. pitcher that kept coming up, but he too is a little banged up. So I, I, I think with, uh, I keep hearing people say, well, go get Frankie Montas. So far we've named with Hendricks, Molly Montas, all three of them are currently on the currently injury list. Yep. I don't want to see them get anybody that has any whiff of injury because they can't handle another pitching injury. They're trying to remedy that. Right. I'd rather yep. see it be somebody who is a little bit more reliably not hurt. <laughs> Yeah, I got you. I get you. Here's an interesting name. I just wonder, you know, you, what what position this team is in, and they signed him to a big contract, so it's a lot of money. So I don't know if uh, the Phillies are going to play it. But w- what's going on with the Diamondbacks? I mean, and Madison Bumgarner is he? Are they trying to compete? <laughs> He's you not know, what he used to be, clearly, but he can give you five good innings now. Still, his contract is. Would be why I'd say absolutely not. He yeah, that's what I think. Five you get them to take half of it though. Five years, eighty-five million dollars. That so was the deal. Year three of that, signs, right? right? So, so after this year, he signed to twenty-three million dollars next year, and then fourteen million dollars the year after that. So, and that, that those would be age thirty-three and thirty-four seasons. Ah, forget it. That's, that's a big commitment. So, I mean, unless the Diamondbacks are trying to, trying to. I don't know. Get rid of him. <laughs> right. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a great idea if he's got just this year. Maybe, maybe next year if he gets the money, but the, that's, that's, even yeah. though it's only 14 million in 2024, I feel like that's too much risk. Yeah. No, you make a lot of sense there. Um, you know, I'm trying to look at some other teams and, and see what that, what, yeah, I, I, you know, Detroit's not in it, but they're probably going to want to keep any of their young, like a guy like Tariq Skubal. Who I think is a pretty decent pitcher. He's young though, right? So I would think that they would want to hold on to him. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, are you telling me that they couldn't use a couple of good, pro- like they wouldn't, he's not so good that you wouldn't trade him for some prospects, right? No, I mean, I think, I think you might be able to get Michael Pineda, but he's, he hasn't had a good year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, now Pineda- the weird thing is Baltimore is our, is your, is every team's favorite rating ground, right? Come trade deadline. But they've been so damn hot lately that they're a 500 baseball team. Can you believe it? I mean, I mean that that puts them. See, here's the problem with the Orioles. I mean, they're well, one, they're in that division, so they they still have three teams ahead of them. Right. Can, can three wild cards come out of one division? I I I, I mean, excuse me, four teams ahead of them. Um, can, can three wild cards come out of that division? All three, possibly. All three could come out of that division, and one not be the Orioles with a winning yeah. record. So I mean, they're they're what three and a. Half out of the last wild card. I mean, the the Phillies are three and a half out, right? And we're well at one point where we were saying, "Hey, th- this thing is realistic." So why why wouldn't Baltimore be saying the same thing? 
Well, uh, they man. still got a lot of games against their own division. I mean, the Yankees, yeah, Tampa tough. Bay. I mean, in this order, the Yankees are playing out of this world this year. But, but Tampa Bay, 51 and 41, 10 games over in second place. Toronto, seven games over in third place. Right. Red Sox are three over and technically ahead of them. They're, now they they are not the third wild card at this point. They are um, two games out. Of I wonder how long play. Tampa Bay can keep this up. They've lost one of their better pitchers in Shane Boz, uh, who was injured to start the year. He came back, looked good. Now he's out again. They've Wander Franco has not been great for them. Josh Lowe has not been great for them. You know, I know they've had excellent pitching from uh, McClanahan, but after that, they just really have not been great offensively. Somehow they're plus 29 in the run differential, but actually Seattle's plus 36. So, yeah, how about Seattle? The know. team, a team I picked to be good, and then they, then we I thought, oh, yeah. I think I, I was wrong on this one, but guess what? <laughs> now when you got young talent like that, you gotta let it like, you gotta give it some time. Now Jeff, 14 in a row is amazing. But that's a, when I see a team like that went 14 in a row going into the all-star break, I'm like, they are primed to lose eight of 10 coming out of the break because <laughs> it's just unsustainable. <laughs> I don't know. Julio Rodriguez is the real deal. So it's, it's going to be a, it's, it's, it's going uh, <laughs> it, to be tough, I think, for them to, to fall off the way they, the way that they, um, kind of were, they were stumbling in the beginning. I, th- I think, I think they're coming together. They're gelling nicely. Right. Uh, I mean, I think they're, I think they're a legit contender now. I would say. Uh, Grant, I'm I just saying so. that because I, I said that before. No, <laughs> no, I season, remember but... at the beginning of the year, we both kind of thought that that was a sleeper team that could really, you know, make, make some moves if, if things went right. And, and the weird thing is they've gotten nothing from the guy, everybody. It was Julio and Jared Kalenic, right? That was, those were supposed to be the two guys. And Kalenic, I think he's down in AAA or he's hurt or whatever. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't been what they thought. I mean, early, early on, he was supposed to be the, I would say the centerpiece of, of their lineup, but they were really counting on him. Um, to, I can't to, believe really the Mets that won that trade now. <laughs> What's that? I said I can't believe the Mets won that trade now. Oh, wow. That was the was, Edwin Diaz trade. I, yeah, that was the Robinson Cano that they're going to be paying for every trade. So I, yeah. I guess, I, I don't know. I, I just, don't get me started. Brody, Brody Van Wagen into be the worst GM I've ever seen. Yeah, but, uh, definitely. but, uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's a winner necessarily. I mean, they are getting, they are getting some good baseball from Diaz again. So who knows? Depends, right, depends let, on your definition of one. They've had good years. They've had bad years. True. So let, let me throw this last name at you because we could literally go through every bad team, but German Marquez. Always a good option. I think. Yeah. Uh, is he available? That's, that would be the question. Um, I mean, there's seven games under, if I'm correct, they never gave him an extension, right? He's probably, I don't remember. We what his, talked about his, him uh, last year. So that's why uh, I, th- I thought he was at the end of his deal. Oh, yeah, let me see. All right, so he signed a five-year, $43 million contract back in. Okay, he signed oh, for next ago. year. Yeah, he signed for yeah, $15 so he's million next year. Left? Okay. okay, so that, that, that might be a good pickup. Yeah, yeah. You, instead of picking up the $15 million option on Eflin next year, you pick you you have uh, Marquez for $15 million, So Sure. So, yeah, that could, that, that's, that, might be a, that might be doable. And he's got an option the year beyond that. For 16 million. So he's somebody you could control for two years beyond this one. So that, that might, that might be the, fit the, uh, bill for what I was saying. If you're going to trade up, trade a prospect who's good, then maybe he's, you, you got to get somebody who you can have for a couple more years. Right. And the Colorado Rockies also have a couple of those type of players who I think the, the Phillies could do. I mean, if you're looking for a center fielder, don't they have, um, 
what's the kid's name? He goes out there and plays outfield for that. Where, where's Susie Amps- Hunter, who's covering the Rockies yeah, these know. days, right? You know, she would this. she would be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we we went through a lot of this last year because it seemed like a good match, but uh, but um, but yeah, right now they're in their outfield. I'm trying to think that. They don't have who we were talking about last year, but uh no, they don't have Tapia anymore. That was a yeah. guy that I remember we were talking about. But they've—I mean, with, I know Charlie Blackman is like Mister Colorado, but I don't know if they'd be willing to trade him. But he'd be certainly someone I would look at for center. Yeah, they field. really need. They really need. The Phillies are going to add an outfielder. I really want a pure center fielder. Um, I, Charlie's not that anymore, huh? He used no, to be a center fielder. No, player. no, he can't handle it anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, but, that's uh, a good point. Yeah, so I, so I don't know that they've got the the type of player in the outfield. No, because they've got. I was thinking Connor Joe. They're going to want to keep on. He's one yeah. of their young kids, and then Grichuk is a is a corner. Yeah, yeah. Chris Bryant has been. Uh, he's he's locked into a huge deal with them. I just thought one of those infielders they have, either McMahon or Hampson, also plays outfield. But you don't want to do – you want a guy who's a Yeah, get, get a real field. center fielder. Yeah. I would still try to do that. Even even though even though Matt Vierling hitting the cover off the ball, still like to see him be the sure. guy that's that bounces all over on everybody's day off. You know, like I I still think that, that you, if you start him – if you count on him starting every day, then you're throwing everything else off. So Yeah. And, and by the way, speaking of center field, Moniak now back in the minor leagues. So – uh, it's going to be a. I think you're going to see a lot of Verling. Um, I think you should. I mean, I right. think he's even going to play against. <laughs> I mean, he has been playing against righties uh, often mm-hmm. at other positions. Uh, but uh, I think I think if the Phillies were looking to put together their top lineup, it's going to feature Matt Verling in in uh, in center field. As it should at this point. I mean, I think sort of by process of elimination, but also because he's been playing the best of all the candidates. So why wouldn't you? Give him a chance to do more. I mean, he doesn't make an egregious mental mistakes the way Odubel Herrera was. I mean, he's he's pretty much reliable as far as if the ball's hit near him. He he actually made a great catch was like a week ago uh, during the Cardinal series in right field mm-hmm. was it? Um, so he he's 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 your best option right now. And I don't I don't think you're you're gaining anything with a platoon of him and Herrera. In fact, I think you're just losing on more at bats for him for Veerling. And an opportunity to keep improving. Putting old Dubal Herrera out there is just like switching it up for the sake of switching it up. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we we spend way too much time saying the same things over yes. and over and over and over again about Odubel Herrera. But but you know, he's not killing you in center field. He's not. He's he's been decent. He's you know, his average is still kind of low. But remember, he started with the over fifteen, eighteen. I, I can't remember what it was exactly, mm-hmm. but. uh but he's 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 been serviceable and reliable and I mean I know he's he's you look at his numbers you might say he's average I mean 250 let's see here uh let's we talk about Odubel still no no Veerling I'm sorry Veerling yeah 230 no, no. he's banging 231 OPS 646 I know you take away the you take away that that terrible start I mean he's been about what you need him to be right I mean it's just out of curiosity do you have his batting average with runners in scoring position cuz I feel like he gets big hits but that okay, might be like he gets one and it feels like he is batting hey. 214 with runners in scoring wow, position Wow that's 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 worse than I thought okay so it must be every once in a while he gets one and it feels like it's the greatest thing ever Well with runners on he's batting 279 That's not bad So, so I mean maybe that's that's what you're saying uh, the base is loaded. He hasn't had any at bats. Um, to lead off an inning, 240. Mm-hmm. Scoring position, two out, 167. So, Oof. but again, how many of these are from the early part of the season? That'd be, that'd be kind of hard to say, but, uh, 
Um, the month, so the month of June, he batted 313. And, uh, July 205. So he has tailed off a little bit in the month of July, but, uh, but yeah, his, his June was a very good June. So, yep. so anyway, but looking at all these numbers, again, kind of underscores my point. It's great to have him as a fill-in at different positions. I'd rather not have him start. I'd, of course, I don't want Herrera starting either. So <laughs> I'm with you. I'm so with maybe you they can get somebody. For center field. So, um, so, so yeah, so really that's the places we've been talked about all talking about all along. Uh, that we, we, we starting pitching mm-hmm. center field, but we haven't mentioned the bullpen. So what do we actually need in the bullpen right now, considering they are playing out of this world? Yeah, that's, it's hard because they still haven't decided. <laughs> they still have this thing on different high leverage relievers and for different high leverage roles uh to begin with so i i don't i don't do they need like a closer do they need a hold guy at this point i would just say go out and get a really good bullpen arm um i still i wouldn't mind if it was left a lefty arm um because i guess there's a part of me even though alvarado's pitched better that he's been out of this world like i like out of nowhere like he was yeah Completely yeah. terrible. Now all of a sudden, it reminds he's completely me of once they sent Naris down a couple of years ago, and then he <laughs> came up and just was like completely unhittable uh, after they brought him back up. Did somebody but just say, "Hey, listen, buddy, start start learning how to pitch. Don't just throw." I mean, it's the exactly. most basic thing you could tell. Uh, you know, that's the most basic thing I keep hearing about relievers over the ages. Don't just throw. Was yep. he just throwing? Probably. Well, it's hard to believe that what he he spent like what three days in the minors. It was or three appearances. It wasn't very long that they sent him down for. Did they? Did they just like tie him to a chair and make him watch videos <laughs> of like Greg Maddox and you know Tom Clavin and guys you threw instead of just hurling the ball? I I don't know, but uh, but whatever it was it seems to have worked for now. So so on in the month of May, Alvarado eleven thirty seven ERA. And six point one, six, I hate point one, six and a third innings pitched. All right. So that's a nine games, eight games in June, two, five, seven ERA. Okay. July so far, not scored upon. Uh, so that's an eight games. <laughs> so he's got this pretty good, uh, well, scoreless appearance streak. You know Opponents how I worry hitting about the one against him in, in July. And by the way, I keep seeing a feeling like it's early in July, but no, there's, there's a decent body of work so far in July. Yeah, it's mid-July, and then, you know, we got the All-Star break here, so you come back and you'll be rounding out the mid-July. So, um, yeah, no, he's been, he's been fantastic. Oh, he's by the way, like, he has not given up a run in the last 30 days. So even 30 days. June, yeah. Jeez. In I, June, a lot of that was early. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Every team that's in it likes to improve their bullpen, whether they're having, like the Yankees will trade for bullpen guys even when they have good bullpens, right? Because you just want to get better. If the Phillies made no bullpen moves, are they okay? You know, I would I would rather they add one. Um, right. But it doesn't feel like – it feels like three or four weeks ago we thought they absolutely must add a bullpen arm if they wanted to make the playoffs. And now I'm not so sure of that. I would add – I would add old friend David Robertson – if you can get him cheap. Oh. I feel like he's the, the type of veteran you just kind of want around. He might, he might not need to pitch in high leverage situations. Sure. But I feel, I feel like, I feel like he's the type of guy that if you have him on the team, he could be the veteran presence in the bullpen. And he could also be the guy where if things go awry, you call his name and he can get you a few outs. It's not a bad idea. That's actually pretty good. 
And the Cubs signed him to a, a really modest deal. It would yep. be just for the rest of the year. Um, I, I'm sure Rob Thompson knows him and trusts him because remember, uh, Thompson was in, in New York with Robertson all those years, right? Right. So, Right. So I, I, he's the name I think would be would be a good name. So I, I don't know if they're asking Rob Thompson uh, who they should get for the bullpen, but he, but but again, with the trade capital they have, you're not you're not trying to to, to get Mariano Rivera in his prime. Yep. You're just trying to get a nice piece to supplement what you have, and and what they have again, it has been good. Could it could it go south? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, can can you say Ari Pilati is going to continue to be good for the Phillies? Do you, you know. There's yeah. still question marks. Jojo Romero, he's back up, but I don't know what he's got. Uh, you know, he says he's got a 70 RA his first two seasons, uh, in the major leagues. So, uh, Romero's, you're kind of finding out what you have. Uh, and by the way, this was all without Connor Brogdon. It was pitching out of this world when he got COVID. Uh, yeah. And that, that bad COVID infection, uh, really, really knocked it out of him. Yeah. No, that's, that was really unfortunate because he was, he was starting to come back. Um, Detroit, Soto, you think? I mean, they're, they're a team that's, I know he's young, but they're almost 20 games under 500. It sort of reminds me when the Phillies had, um, the closer Giles, you know, they weren't going anywhere. And even though he was a good young closer, they were able to get a, a, what they thought was a good haul for him. So I wonder if you look at some of these young closers, whether it's Soto for Detroit or, um, trying to think if there's anybody, oh, I don't know if the Pirates would get rid of Bednar. I mean, he's been really good for them, and he's young too. But, you know, if you feel like you could get really good value for a kid who is just a closer, I mean, you've seen we've seen bad teams, including the Phillies, do that. Very interesting name you mentioned there with Soto. I, I, see, I don't know the Phillies have what, what – the Astros had when they made the Giles type deal, you know, the Philly, mm-hmm. I mean, for what, for what the Phillies gave up, I mean, yeah, we, none of them seem to have worked out. Um, maybe Mark Appel does work out from the, the Ken Giles deal all these thousands of years later. Uh, but you know, you got, but you got Velasquez, you got Oberfeltzer who could come in and start at least for a bad team. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they had quantity, uh, that, that would, that was a mix of people you could throw in there right now that were just kind of okay. Yeah. And people who were long-term assets. I don't, I don't know if the Phillies have the capital for, for something like that. Yeah, you might be right about that. You but might be right. Interesting name though. I mean, he's, he's, he's had a good season. The uh, thing is that Giles, when they traded him, it had what, like two pretty good seasons and threw really hard slide, right? Heartbreaking stuff. And Soto, he had a good year. Oh, he had an okay year last year. I think he had like 16 saves and, He's got like 13. It's, I don't know that he's reached Giles like, uh, status yet, but he is their closer and he is young and he's left-handed. So I guess theoretically all you need is two or three teams calling and now you have a market. So I'll tell you what though, just mentioned Giles that day I was in Pittsburgh and saw Ryan Sandberg just screaming at him at the top of his <laughs> Sandberg who showed no emotion the rest of the time he was in Philadelphia, uh, screaming at Ken Giles, unlike I've ever seen before. That was, that was something. And then what Giles, did Kenny do? I had forgotten. Didn't Giles punch himself in the face too and, oh, yes. and injure himself? He was, yeah. he was something. So I think, I think the Phillies had other motivations in trading Giles. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think they might have thought he was not a good match, uh, right. <laughs> for the clubhouse. All right. So let's talk about, uh, all-star game, right? So Phillies one, person beyond the injured Bryce Harper. I was a little bit surprised by that 
you know, they, they get Schwarber in, who was leading the league in home runs. He's going to be in the home run derby. That's kind of cool. Yes. But what do you think about Schwarber really being the only Philly represented at this All-Star game? I mean, you're talking about a team that's a fringe playoff team. Um, Zach Wheeler has had a really good season, and so has Aaron Nola. But Wheeler struggled in the first three or four starts. I don't know if that, like, came back. I mean, if you go look at the leaders in – ERAs and strikeouts, there's a lot of good pitchers, starting with Alcantara. And of course, you know, it's in, it's in LA, right? So you know that, um, so you know that Clayton Kershaw is, is going to be on the, I, I mean, I assume he's going to be on the road. He's on it, right? Have yeah, he's on there. Yeah. yeah. Alcantara has been great. I mean, I think Nola Pat has Anderson a, has they a, got in too, by the way, who's pitching yes. out of this world for the Dodgers and of course Gonsolin. Like, yeah, it's like the, the Dodgers yeah. show. Yeah, I mean, I I sort of think Nola, but his ERA is over three. I mean, as great as he's been, his ERA is. I mean, Alcantara's at one seven six. Miles Michaelis is two point five four. Did he make it? I, I don't even so. think. I think he was a replacement. Yeah, Max Fried, he made it two six four. I mean, you're looking at some of the best pitchers in the National League, and you're seeing guys with sub three and in some cases sub two and a half ERAs. So I mean, like the. the if the Phillies were a first place team, maybe these guys get the benefit of the doubt, but you usually reward the teams that are better. So it's just one of those things. Every year there's. And by the way, the one, the one comparison everybody was making I saw was comparing Zach Wheeler to Luis Castillo. Well, guess what? The Reds had to have somebody. Yeah. So. You need to have a, re- yeah. Imagine if it wasn't Castillo and they chose, I'm trying to think of a Red that might be having a gun, Brandon Drury, right? Yeah. Over Kyle Schwarber. Then you'd be like, what, what are you doing here? What, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I think I think Drury wasn't the best fit in the putting him on the offensive side. But you know what it is what it is. I, I actually kinda like it for competitive reasons because guess mm-hmm. what? The Phillies are gonna come out of the gate with Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola pitching games. Yes. And guess what? It matters. Yeah. And to be honest with me, to be honest with you, you never know like when your starting pitcher makes it if he's gonna even get in and pitch. Didn't Wheeler get in like late last year? I thought he was gonna get in early and he wound up being a late that, if I remember correctly, he didn't get in until really late in the game, no? And he barely, yeah, you're right. He, he didn't really pitch much. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember the, let me see if I can pull up that box score. I'm more excited about the offensive players in the All-Star game. I mean, of course, Schwarber being in the, uh, in the home run derby. He's in both, right? He'll be in the home run derby and the All-Star game. So, um, that, that to me is, is exciting. By the way, it would have been really... nice though if they had replaced, uh, Harper as the DH with Schwarber, who <laughs> really is a DH. <laughs> right, right. But I guess they, they gave it to a more traditional DH, uh, in the absence of Harper, uh, with, who with is the DH in the National League? So gonna, I always mix up Wilson and, and William, uh, Contreras, but it's, it's going to be Contreras of the, uh, Braves. So you got oh, okay. both Contreras brothers similarly named, uh, right. on this starting lineup, which is kind of cool, but. But yeah, so Zach Wheeler, he was the last one to pitch. He got the last out the National League. One strikeout. That's and what I thought. Batter. Yeah, one yeah, strikeout, he was like one a closer. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, so they, I, they, I think the NL lost, so I don't think he got a save. But uh, he did get, no, that's true. That's right. They lost. Get the last out. So yeah, it ended. Yeah, the AL won five to two. So he got the last out before the NL batted. I like the NL's roster this year better than the AL. Usually I like the AL roster. I don't know if the designated hitter now has leveled out, but I just looked at both of the, the pitching staffs and the offensive players, and I thought I think the NL is superior. If they don't win, they they screwed something up, I think. They usually yeah, lose. But, but you know what, though? It doesn't count for home field advantage anymore, right, in the World Series? <laughs> Correct. 
So <laughs> who cares? Agreed. <laughs> I mean, you're not, you're not, you know what though? I still like the all-star game. I thought, I still think the major league baseball all-star game is the best all-star game in all sports because it's the one that's most like the real game. You know, mm. it, there's not much different. I mean, the pro bowl in the NFL is like a joke. The NBA all-star game is just dunks and three pointers. You know, there's no D I mean, 150, 180 points. Um, and I don't really watch the hockey one, but I guess that's probably a lot like the real game too. But I, I'm just not a big well. Football is is guy. the worst of all of them. Oh really, God, it's not even a game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's. Uh, it would be nice if they had one, but it's it, honestly, it's not worth it in the NFL because everybody gets hurt. <laughs> right. So, so uh, you have to do it afterwards, after the season, and of course, if you're going to the Super Bowl, you can't play. So I don't know. It's it's yeah, it's become a little. That one's a little silly, but uh, but yeah, everybody gets to play. I know that. I know they. They did the uh, thing to try to make it count, quote unquote, again. But mm-hmm. you know, just have just have fun, have a good game. Uh, you know, be nice to see uh, see the, the your team have the representatives you know, representatives. Um, by the way, it'd be fun. We're, we're we're four years off of having it in Philly, so uh. <laughs> right, right. By the way, I have to make a point that I don't want to forget. I wanted to. I made a note to make make. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the Phillies, really. Just a, a baseball point. Uh, about a player because we saw the Cardinals seven times this month mm-hmm. and you know, I don't get to watch a whole lot of Cardinals games. And I always wonder like, I know Arenado's good. And I know of course, Goldschmidt's good, but then you see all these, the Cardinals are great. Their farm system's always good. They got guys coming out like no, uh, Brendan Donovan. And then the other guy who's, who's playing well, but um, I don't know if there's a better defensive center fielder in the game right now than Dylan Carlson. He stole, he, he stole three runs from the Phillies over a two game span but not not by making diving catches, not by just by having amazing angles to the baseball and making the type of catches that you would never see if right now a Philly center field make that kid. And then I watched; they were on national TV, I guess. So they were on MLB Network the night after they played the Phillies. I forget who they were playing at the time, but he stole two runs from that team too. He's really good. Yeah, you know, it's funny when you when you look at the lineup of the Cardinals. You, you, of course, you have Pujols, you have Molina when he's not hurt, and you have uh, yeah. the, the two you mentioned. Right. But beyond that, they're a bunch of an, almost anonymous players, but they're, they're pretty good. And I feel like they're always that way. They always have their two, you know, like whether when you know, they have Pujols and Holiday, they always have like two really good players, and then they just find ways to just throw guys in there that you never heard of that are that are really good. You know, Harrison Bader goes in there and makes is wait is that is that right, Harrison Bader? How about that? I'm sorry. Before I forget, how about their closer, Helsley? Uh, oh yeah, Helsley. Yeah. That 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 is a woo. <laughs> that is a dynamic arm uh, that I that I really never got to see until those 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 seven games. So right, Edmonds so a good a, player. Edmonds is one of the more underrated players in in baseball. Yeah, I think he's got like 70 runs scored already. Bader, Nolan Gorman, and then you got Wainwright out there still doing his thing. They're just they're, Miles Michaelis. Comes out of nowhere. They're just that's the type of organization they are. Yeah, even names like Lars Nootbar. I, yeah. I don't know much about him, but he's. Well, he got the sent down right after the Philly series, and then called <laughs> right back up like three days later. <laughs> anyway, no, no, enough of the Cardinals. But let's. You mentioned you, you just mentioned Matt Holiday. The good good segue to the final topic, uh, which was last night's draft. Mm-hmm. Right, of course, Matt Holiday's son taken first overall. Right, and then a few picks later, you get Drew Jones, uh, another another legacy uh, pick, and then the Phillies make one with their pick at seventeen, drafting Carl Crawford's son 
Justin. So mm-hmm. what do you think of that pick for the Phillies? Well, I mean, I don't pretend to be an, an uh, MLB draft expert. I saw that he was ranked among the top, you know, I think top 13 and he went 17th. So maybe he fell a little bit in a good way, you know, just because I, I was shocked that the Rangers took Kumar Rocker third overall. Yeah, that's that surprised uh, me. He, he's an interesting, I mean, he's not even all, he's um going back, by the way, his his father, Tracy Rocker, is the Eagles uh, defensive line coach. I don't know if everybody knows, knows that, but. Yeah, no relation to John Rocker. No relation to John Rocker at all. <laughs> But I, I thought, you know, I know he went to Vanderbilt and he pitched with lighter and he's was a great pitcher, but I, I watched a few of his final games of Vanderbilt and he was topping off at 94. So I thought, all right, maybe he's not, maybe he's more like a Nola type of guy who's not overpowering, but has like great movement and just really pro ready. But obviously the Mets found something wrong with his medicals. So they didn't sign him. Then he goes a year without, I mean, I think he played some Indy league and then the Rangers take him third overall, I, I, which is higher than even the Mets took him the year before when he was, oh yeah, you know, coming off of his, his senior year or his last year at Vanderbilt. So I'm, I was a little surprised by that. Well, I, here's one thing the Rangers did. So they actually already signed him. So uh-huh. I bet you they had conversations ahead of time. So they actually gave him a little bit less of a bonus. Right. Uh, he gave him 5.2 million when the slot was at five point, excuse me, seven point near, near almost 7.6. So that's money that they can use at their other picks. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, he and Leiter, like, uh, reunited and, uh, you know, dominating in college. Man, if, if, they, if those two worked out. <laughs> I just got a bad feeling about it for them. You know, I, I feel like it's not going to work out. It almost has like that New York Mets Generation K thing going. You know, like these two guys are going to not pan out. But I hope they do just because it's good. It's cool to see like, you know, like Mark Leiter or I'm sorry, Al Leiter's kid, you know, out there. And, Play and Mark Lader's kid was the one Philly's legacy pick that didn't work out so great. That so. is correct. <laughs> Actually, Mark Lader uh, Jr. is in the major leagues right now. He's pitching for yes, the Cubs. Yes, he is. So, yeah, uh, with the Cubs. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing about draft picks. You know, everybody expects the prospects to be like superstars. They have those, those visions. But really, being a Mark Lader Jr. and having some innings in the major leagues over a couple teams over a few years, that, that means you made it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I'm excited about uh, about Carl Crawford kid coming here because he's a he's an outfielder although you know I know the Moniac thing is still fresh in our minds B he's got speed he's got power he's got all the tools so and I and I'm just hoping Frank I mean I, you just kind of hope that this trend recently of the sons of major league ball players to kind of get into the majors maybe it's because they were around ballparks their whole life I mean you have Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bobby Witt Jr. is really starting to heat up for the the Royals as a, a top prospect, and um, there are some other juniors. Kevon Biggio, Kevon Biggio, I mean, right? And then Bo, Bo Bichette, yeah, Fernando just, Tatis Jr. Oh, great point, Tatis. Ronald Jr. Acuna Jr.'s dad never made the majors, but he was in the minor leagues for the Mets. That's right, that's right. So I just kind of hope that that helps with um, what's his, uh, what's Crawford's name again? Justin. Um, yeah, I wanted to say Jack. Uh, you hope it helps with Justin's kind of development, his maturity, and that he can kind of really live up to the potential and and be what the guys like Adam Hazley and and Mickey Moniak have not been able to be. Yeah, oh gosh, Adam Hazley, I almost forgot about that name. But you know, here's the risk, though. You know, when they when they signed, when they when they drafted Moniak, you knew he had a lot of development left. Well, mm-hmm. Crawford still has a lot of development left. He's just 18 right. years old. 
So mm-hmm. it might it might be 2026, 2027 before he's even sniffing at the minor. I mean the majors. He's you know he's going to have some years in the minors to go. So sure, that's um, fine. That's 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 the only thing I want. I just want to throw out there because it could be a while. And and you know what? A lot of the projections on these young guys when they expect them to to develop out later. You know, they, I think they expect more of his power to develop later. Sure. Uh, it may never come. I mean, that's the that's the risk with these things. Yeah. Well, hey, look, you've got Schwarber signed for a couple more years now. Harper signed for a long time. You got Castellanos. You hope that he puts it together here in the second half. He signed. So, you know, if it takes four years for Crawford to get to the majors or five years, you hope that you you're you, you know it's not like you're going to be missing his bat. You know, the speed. God. Oh. They do, do they miss that? But it would be nice if some of these players we're talking about now on the Phillies team that are younger and have a chance to still be here um, in four or five years are still here, and then he can come up and assimilate. Sort of like how Victorino came up when when Rollins and um, and uh, Ryan Howard and Utley were like established. You know, they get Victorino in the Rule Five, and he just kind of assimilates in and, and finds his, his groove there. By the way, very different this year in that. The draft is set back, and so of course now all of a sudden you have <laughs> this not really a season for them to play. Like you know, you used to be drafted sooner, and then mm-hmm. you had the short season leagues like Williamsport uh, that would uh, that would field a team of your young guys. So right. uh, so this will be interesting too because they have the Florida State League, and then they go right from there to Class A Clearwater. So right. Um, By the way, if we're really doing second level thinking on this, if if Justin Crawford turns out to be pretty good at low A, high A, whatever. Over the, he'll probably be one to being traded, knowing Dombrowski and trying to get a an ace or a great bat. He'll probably wind up being packaged in a deal, knowing <laughs> Dombrowski. But you know, we'll only see. if he's going for the kill. And you know what? If he wins a World Series, I think that's okay. Yeah, no, I I, I wasn't saying that derisively. I'm just saying like yeah. that's the way the Phillies are built right now is to contend, and they're getting a lot closer. And so in a year or two, they might be even closer than that, and that might be the move that puts them over the edge. By the way, this one thing that I still I I don't get right now, um, talking about the shifting landscape. So you've got these independent, almost they're I guess they're I guess they're independent. These draft leagues, right, where players who were trying to get drafted mm-hmm. play like the Trenton Thunder, um, the Williamsport team that replaced the, the the Phillies team that no longer exists. Right. Um, now they were they're off for these days. Just an interesting little thing. So that they're off from the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st, this draft league, right? Mm-hmm. And then the season picks up again. So I guess the guys that didn't get drafted uh, get to finish out a season, which 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 I found fascinating. I thought that this this would be the team that plays up until the draft and then they're done. But no, right. they're, they're they're still playing. So I guess they're gonna they're gonna find some more guys that that haven't been drafted yet, and they they play through the first weekend of September, which I found interesting. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. Hmm. Is this their All Star break? Maybe I, I don't know. That, that, I, I don't strange. think they really have an All Star break. I, but but they clearly have to stop for the draft because ideally right. some of these draft league players will be picked up by somebody. Sure, um, I think Rocker was pitching for an indie league team, was he not? I don't Kumar? You know I don't remember which one, uh, but I think I it was more it like was... an independent team mm-hmm. than it was a. Uh, let's see, who did he play for? I thought it was an indie league team. I, I could be wrong about that because the name of the team he was pitching for, the Tri City uh, Valley Cats of the Frontier League, right? Okay, Frontier League. Yeah, Frontier yeah, League which is, is an one indie of those old school independent yeah, very, team. So it's yeah. different than the draft league. So right. Um, 
Yeah, it's like what the what the Camden River Sharks used to be and the Atlantic City Surf back in the day. You know, they mm-hmm. were they were yep. totally independent. That kind of that kind of that, that would be the equivalent there. But correct. But these draft leagues are interesting. Just really funny story before we go. Um, the night that you were you were recording with Greg and Greg filled in for me, uh, doing mm-hmm. a great job. Uh, I, I stopped at a rest stop. That's when I was sending you the passwords for stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> but behind me in line, I, I hear what they're talking about. Like I'm in line for Popeye. I'm just trying to get some like. Get some chicken fingers and get back on the road. And what state were you in? I was in very western Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, kind of. I was on uh, approaching seventy. So you're out uh, with the Ginzers. Yeah, yeah. So, so what? What you know? I'm, I'm, I'm just standing in line. I'm hearing the conversation behind me. I'm like, did Trenton Thunder come in and are standing behind me in line? Sure enough, they did. (laughs) So, so they were actually um, in Frederick, Maryland. And then, uh, heading home to face, try to remember now, or they were in, um, now, now I'm messing up my days and my, my schedule, but they were, okay, they were playing in state college and then they were getting okay. home to play Mahoning Valley or something like that. Anyway, I forget the combo, but, right. but it was the Trenton Thunder behind me in line. <laughs> and then they ended That's up. That's unbelievable. And then they, okay, they were, and they end up running off to go, uh, to their to their team bus, <laughs> so, but uh, just a really funny thing. So interesting, interesting though. Just to just to overhear them, I you know some some of them were dressed in their college gear still. Some of them had the right. draft um, draft league shirts on, but uh, a lot of them uh, a lot of them appeared to have played for local teams mm-hmm. uh, like Villanova. You could, a couple of them looked like they they were former Villanova baseball players, and so sure. they're just. Just trying to, to see if they can latch on with the team and, uh, um, it's very interesting. I, you know, I, I would go and see them. First I thought, well, it's a shame, uh, Tr- Trenton doesn't have a real team, but this is interesting. Right? So yeah. I wonder what, I wonder what will happen year to year. Do some of the players stay? Does it completely reset? Uh, but, but you know, I think they're looking for their opportunity for some team to, to, to pick them up. Almost functioning, I guess, now as, a, as the independent league since right. you can't, um, you know, there's no more draft this year, so or, or well, some sign is non-drafted free agents. So mm-hmm. pretty interesting. This is all kind of developing in real time. So, uh, but it was just a pretty pretty neat thing to to talk about uh, since we we're talking about the draft. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we still need to do that powder blue night at Jersey Shore. You know, go see. Uh, is Painter there yet? Painter and, and and Abel are both it, there. So right. fortunately, they can't be there the same day. So we'll we'll have to look at the calendar, Jeff, and figure out when we can can go. And I I gotta bring my camera and get some good pictures. I need, I don't I don't have any pictures of these guys. Yeah, so. we gotta get some. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I think we've had a lot to talk about, and there will be plenty more to talk about after the All Star break as the Phillies uh, get back in action. They're gonna get some. Get some uh, stiff competition against the Braves coming up, but also some games against the Cubs. But again, you have to actually play the games. You can't take for granted that you will uh, excel against either. So all-star break, more Phillies baseball the second half. Can the Phillies hang in there until they get their big guns back? We shall see. But for now, this has been the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher. We will catch you next time. 